0: Our scripture text today comes from John chapter 11, the first 44 verses. So let's give attention to God's word, reading from the New International Version. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going back there? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going up there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die do you believe this yes lord she told him i believe that you are the christ the son of god who was to come into the world and after she had said this she went back and called her sister mary aside the teacher is here she said and is asking for you when mary heard this she got up quickly and went to him It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Father, we thank you for your holy word. We thank you for this story about the power of the resurrection, the resurrection power of your son. Now speak to our hearts. Speak to us about the most important topic, about how we will go to be eternally with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: with you all today it's a privilege to be able to bring the word of God to you Um, I have a deal with my wife that because we have four children that I have to preach in a certain amount of time and um, some of you may appreciate that and when she saw that I was preaching on 44 verses she looked at me with great excitement and just wondering how I was going to do this in 25 to 27 minutes and I said don't worry babe Five minutes of verse. We'll be out of here real fast. So <laughs> it's good to be with you guys uh, this morning. It's a privilege to be able to uh, to be able to join you. Uh, this is one of my favorite texts. It's become a favorite text of mine uh, through the years. And um, I'm trying to figure out what to do my water. We'll do that. And um, it uh, it's an I think it's an apt time to think about death as we are. Living in a world that's filled and consumed at times with disease and death and decay, and it's all around us. Uh, death actually hit our family in a in a different way that before we moved uh, from Omaha down here, that we had to put our dog down. And those of you who have gone through that. I don't mean to uh, minimize other death, uh, but it was an it's just awful. It's an awful thing to do. And all of a sudden, this. Um, This dog who we loved, who had been with us for 13 years, just been a part of our family um, and a part of the things uh, that we did was all of a sudden just gone. And then our kids uh, started asking all kinds of questions about death and about those things. And so I thought, okay, we've just been thinking and talking about death. And I thought about this text this morning and wanted in the midst of the time that we live in to be able to uh, to consider this together. Um, I do just kind of want to walk through uh, the passage this morning. I won't take five minutes of verse, I promise you. But it's a great story. It's a story that most of us are familiar with from from Sunday school days. But then when you get into the text, um, I think it just jumps out at you. Of What I love about this text is the humanity that's here in it. And I just love the presentation of who Jesus is um, in this interaction with Martha, with Mary, with the crowd around him, and then with death itself. And so that's what we'll be considering this morning. So if you want to have your Bibles open, I think it'll be helpful as we kind of walk through uh, these 44 verses together. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of uh, Mary and her sister Martha. And it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So their sister sent to him saying, Lord, Whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said that this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. So the Son of God may be glorified through it. We'll need to remember that later on at the end. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he jumped up and he ran to Bethany and he put his hands on Lazarus and he healed him right away. Right? Isn't that what the text is supposed to say? So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Jesus, what are you doing? When you hear that someone's dying, you don't just sit down and pour a cup of coffee, you know, and go, ah, well, we'll get there when we get there. What's Jesus doing? And after this, he said to the disciples, and I love this interaction with the disciples, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews who are now just seeking to stone you, aren't they going there again? That would be bad, to go to the place where people are trying to stone you, right? We don't want to go to those places. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? And if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. Thanks for the riddles, right? Like, what are you talking about? Jesus, what's going on? After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Right? You see this interaction between Jesus and the disciples. And he's, like, he's talking about Lazarus dying, and they're thinking he's talking about Lazarus sleeping. And there's this great confusion between Jesus and his disciples of like, What are we talking about? You gave us a riddle. Now you're talking about Lazarus sleeping. What are we talking about? And then Jesus said to them plainly, and I love this, he's like, never mind, forget the riddle. Lazarus has died, right? And for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go also, that we may die with him. Now I love that John put this, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I love that John, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, put this in the gospel. Because basically John is like, and then Thomas, like Jesus is talking to us, and then Thomas is like, well, let's go with him so we can die too, right? And John's like, Thomas, right? Thomas will have another appearance in this gospel in a big way at the resurrection of Jesus. He doesn't bode too well there either, but he does a little better, right? And, and remember about Thomas, I mean, this is Thomas who took, if you take a church history class, This is the Thomas who took the gospel east and we think was martyred for the gospel. And here's Thomas as Jesus is talking about what he's doing and what's happening, trying to keep his disciples informed and, you know, let them know his mission and his purpose and what's happening, right? And here's Thomas, and the disciples have no idea what's going on. And then Thomas is like, well, let's go with him that we can die too. You know, and you just kind of in the scene, you kind of see Jesus like, look at him, you know, and then like shake his head like, We got to move on. We don't have time to deal with this, right? It's like this awkward, like, just leaves there. We got to carry on. We got to get on to business. One of the things I hear um, in the news and in Christian news, whatever that is, is that um, millennials are leaving the church in droves, especially over the last four to eight years, because the church um, says a lot of bad things and Christian leaders say a lot of bad things. And I just want to encourage whether you're a millennial or, which I also love this, a boomer, right? The millennial's response to being called millennials was just to come up with one word that they now address all of you with. Hey, boomer, right? You guys have heard this, right? And so whether you're a boomer or a millennial, be encouraged. You ready? Be encouraged. The, the, the church has always been a bunch of bumbling buffoons. Like, be encouraged. As I'm reading this, like, Jesus is like, I have a mission, I'm going to be glorified through it. I'm going to show you what's happening. I'm going to do something marvelous. The disciples have no idea what he's talking about. They have no idea what's going on. And Thomas is ready to go die with him, though that's not what Jesus is talking about at all. And and the text is just left here like, we got to move on. But John wanted to highlight that Thomas has no idea what's going on. And just be encouraged, millennials. I'm an oldest of the millennials, so I speak as chief of the millennials. Be encouraged. The church has always been a mess. I said to my wife a couple weeks ago, I said, in the local church, I was just at RUF staff training. It's like the local church is God's means of using the advancement of his kingdom. And I looked at my wife and I'm like, is it really though? Right? Like the things that we've heard from the church over the last four to eight years, right? You have to vote for Donald Trump or you're not a Christian. Really? You have to vote for Joe Biden or you're not a Christian. Really? This is what I'm left with? This is what y'all are telling me? So Be encouraged. The church has always been incompetent, and it will continue to be. But notice that it doesn't thwart Jesus' mission. It's not going to thwart what Jesus is doing or how he's going to do it. Let's continue. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. What a profound statement of faith, right? Lord, if you would have, not, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, and it, it gets better for Martha. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Dang, Martha, that's powerful, right? I call Martha the PCA woman, right? She's like the president of Wick, You know, like, like, like Martha knows what's happening and it just gets better. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know that he will rise again on the resurrection on the last day. Martha knows her Old Testament. She knows her Bible, right? I know what's going to happen at the end, Jesus. I've read my Bible. I've been to Sunday school. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And outside of Peter's confession, uh, before the transfiguration and the other Gospels, this is one of the most powerful confessions that we see. That Martha is not just saying, I believe in the Old Testament, and I know it's going to happen on the last day, because I've been to Sunday school. But I believe that you are the fulfillment. You are the Messiah. You are the fulfillment of those things in the here and now. And I believe that. And it's like, heck yeah, Martha, bring it, right? Preach, Martha. PCA woman right there. Laying it out there, right? She's on it. Martha is on it. She has theology. She has applied theology. And she has it in the moment. And she has strong confidence and belief and faith in who Jesus is. And it's awesome. But is it enough? Does Martha really get the glory of God? We'll have to see. Verse 28. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews were with her in the house, consoling her... Saw Mary rise quickly and go out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Same exact words, right? Same exact words. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. I think, again, a strong confession of faith, a strong lament but I call Mary the non-denominational woman. She's all emotion, man. She's just living in the moment, right? She's there and she's like, this is what I've got. I'm just putting it out there because lament makes us really uncomfortable as PCA folks, doesn't it? I know it does me. We just went uh, at RUF staff training and they have a time of prayer on the day that you leave. And they went through different uh, uh, areas of prayer, praise, you know, supplication, these kind of things. And then they went to lament, so you had people kind of raising up laments, and it was a powerful five or ten minutes, but then in the midst of this lament, one guy just shouts, shouts out, how long, O oh Lord? And it, and it kind of like ruptured the room, it did for me anyway, of like, dang, that's, that's, gutty, that's gutsy, right? Like, we're praying to God, man, we don't talk like that. That's a psalm, by the way, but, Right? It 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 shakes us when people really lament how long, oh Lord. And I was just in the middle of a a season of lament in a group of PCA pastors in prayer. How long, O Lord, just kind of like shook me. Like, man, that was powerful. And that's Mary, right? Her brother's just died. But she's coming to Jesus. And she falls at his feet and she says, If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And that's what she's got. That's what Mary's got in the moment. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. What does Jesus do with these things? We're at verse 33. Now when Jesus saw her weeping, and when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, "Where have you laid him?" And they said to him, "Lord, come and see." And the shortest verse in the Bible that we all learn for Bible sword drills, John eleven thirty-five. Jesus wept in the midst of the scene around him, of these weeping community of de- around death, around what death does to us. They're on this weeping community and this weeping woman at his feet who just brings her honest lament and brokenness to him. Jesus weeps. Um, My grandfather died when I was in college. I was um, in Washington, D.C. doing an internship. And uh, when he passed away, I did not want to go to the funeral. Um, As a good 20-year-old, I decided that I was going to go take a hike in the woods and have my own um, way of doing things and grieving. I think I was avoiding uh, the reality of those things. I was also in a bit of a tiff with my father, so I didn't want to have to talk to him about the tiff that we were in. And so, you know, I was going to avoid that place. But as 20-year-olds, you sometimes give in to what other people are doing, especially when they buy you plane tickets. So I got on a plane, and I flew down to Georgia for this funeral for my grandfather, who I loved and I was very close to. And um, my brother was in Iraq, and... Um, driving a tank, blowing stuff up um, for Uncle Sam. It was just a hard period of my life. And so I walked into this, to this funeral. My grandfather was a very uh, well-known person in the community. There was like 1,000 people at this funeral. And they had asked me to read Psalm 23, you know, not an emotional psalm at all and uh, not connected to any grieving or hard times or anything like that. And so I walk up into the pulpit, I'm 20 years old, you know, and I think at that time of what I think now, I'm a man, right? And I walk up into the pulpit to read Psalm 23, and I looked up and it was over. You know, and I'm standing at the pulpit in front of a thousand people. Like, not like not like old man crying, you know, where like kids is what your or teens is what your dad does. He like holds his breath because something's coming up and his eyes water a little, like, you know. Like, not that, like, like just weeping at the pulpit, like snots running, you're trying to wipe your face. You know, you're like in a microphone going, (laughs) you know, in the front of a thousand people in this huge United Methodist Church in Petrie City, Georgia. And there I am just weeping, just weeping because it all just hit me at once. Because you're human and that's what death does to us. And here's Jesus just weeping at the brokenness that's around him. But it was in that moment that i looked up and i saw my dad on the front row now like i said my, you know my dad i've seen my dad half cry in my life once when his dad died and he did that thing where he like holds his breath and your eyes water a little bit but you're not crying if i describe to you my dad's emotional uh capacity i would describe it as this he was born in the 1950s and he has a mustache okay like that's my dad's emotional capacity right there you know that he expresses right He's born in the 1950s, he has a mustache. That's my dad emotionally. And I look up as I'm like, "Uh," you know, at the pulpit. And I look at my dad, and he's weeping. And all I can think about in that moment, and every time since, is, oh, how my dad loves me. Oh, how he loves me. What do the Jews say when they see Jesus weeping? So the Jews said, see how he loved him. And I think we could, you know, you could see that and read that like a Shakespeare play or like an episode of Downton Abbey, like, oh, how he loved him. Someone get me some tea, right? That's how we read the Bible a lot, I think. Or we can see it as like a weeping person in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of all the bro- things that brokenness brings us, and oh, how he loves us. People of God, children of God look up in in the story of Lazarus and John 11 and in the shortest verse in the Bible, see a Jesus and oh how he loves you. Oh how he loves you. In the midst of the brokenness of COVID and the sadness and the decay and the disease that just overwhelms us at times, look at the shortest verse in the Bible and see that oh how he loves you. He loves you so much. Oh, how he loves you! But verse thirty-seven. But some of them said, "Could not he have opened the eyes of the blind man? Also, kept this man from dying?" Because we ask those questions in the midst of it too, right? We learned at the beginning that Jesus just sits, right? He waits. He waits two days before even going to Lazarus. And these people are looking at this. They're looking at the scene. Then they're looking at a weeping Jesus. And they see him weeping and they see what's happening. And they look at him and they say, but couldn't, couldn't the man who's been healing the blind people, couldn't he have done something about this? Don't we ask that question in our grief and loss too? When is Jesus going to come back? That is, that is the question that my second son asks all the time. When is Jesus coming back? I don't know, he hasn't told me. But it's a good question. And it's one we're invited to ask. But isn't that the question we ask in the grief and the loss and death and COVID? Couldn't he do something? Couldn't he have done something? Jesus, why aren't you doing anything? God, what are you doing? How long? Why won't you do anything? And those people asked that question too. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. Uh, I skipped over this, but I want to go back to it real fast. In, In the text where it says above there that Jesus is deeply, in verse 33, that Jesus is deeply moved. And greatly troubled, it's really not a great translation in English at all. In any uh, in any translation, what it really says there is, he started snorting like a horse. He started snorting like a horse. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine seeing Jesus just whoosh, right? When I when I read this passage, when I think about this passage. I think about the movie Sea Biscuit where what's the whole deal with Seabiscuit to beat War Horse or whatever his name was, War Machine, that's a different thing. But something, War something is the other horse, right? And it's the small dude versus the big dude. And what do they say? What does what Toby Maguire say? You got to put him right next to the war horse, right? Let him get eye to eye with it, and then you're going to find out what he's made of. And in that moment as they're racing around the track, it was like game on, <laughs> right? Game is on. Face to face with War Horse and game is on. Face to face with death, game is on for Jesus. And he's angry like a snorting horse at the effects and the brokenness and the fall of death. He's angry like a snorting horse when he comes face to face as he weeps for his people because he loves them. But he's angry and livid at it as well. And so here in verse 38, it says he's deeply moved again. I mean, imagine walking down the road and there's Jesus just like weeping and then... (laughs) Like, what did that look like? I don't know. Go home and talk about what that might have looked like. Like, he's, he's, he's pissed off at death, but he's broken by it. And our question is, can he do anything about it? Verse 38, it was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the Martha of great faith, Martha, the PCA president, Martha, not president, we, she can't do that. Never mind, Martha the PCA WIC president right Martha the the confessor who knows her Sunday school lesson and her theology and her Bible says uh Martha the sister of the dead man said to him Lord by this time there will be an odor he's been dead four days Martha says Jesus hold up man what are you doing you don't take away the stone he's dead four days it's gonna stink Martha's faith and confession is not big enough for what the glory of God is PCA women, PCA men, non-PCA people, if you're here today, that's fine too. Your faith and your confession is not big enough to match the glory of God. And you're going to be okay with that because about what's about to happen. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you you believed you'd see the glory of God? What does Jesus say? Step back, woman, watch this. Right? Like, dang, wouldn't it have been great to have been there and watch all this? In living color? Step back. You're about to see what I meant by glory. you about to see glory, girl. Step back and look at it. So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes. I love this, too, that John puts us in. Father, I thank you. You've heard me. I know that you've always heard me. I say this on account of the people standing around me, that they may believe that you sent me. Great prayer for us. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice. And think about that snorting horse. Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Out walks a mummy, right? I've tried to think this week how I would respond to that. I think I I would respond to that by being like, I need to go home, sit down and think about this for a little while. I mean, just imagine that. The tombstones rolled away, and out walks a mummy. <laughs> and then they unwrap him, and there's Lazarus. And you're just like, dang, <laughs> that's crazy. The glory of God is mind-blowing in that moment. Because Jesus isn't just angry and ticked off at death. and He doesn't just hate it. And he doesn't just love you but he's the power to do something about it. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Lazarus would die again. That stinks for him. I've always thought about that. Man, he had to die twice. That stinks. There's a man who died and went through death and who was raised, who who did not die again. And that man is Jesus. And in the story of Lazarus and in the story of Jesus' resurrection at the end of the Gospel of John and the end of the other Gospels, Jesus fulfills that he really is who he says he is, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Maybe you're here this morning and you've never publicly professed your faith. You've never stood up and said, I believe this. Maybe this morning, today is the day for you to stand up and say, I believe this. To go home to your parents and say, I believe this. To call an elder or pastor and say, I believe this. I believe this. I believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Because Jesus invites you because he loves you. He invites you into his resurrection and his life. And he's asking you this morning, do you believe this story? Is Lazarus a Sunday school story or is it a real story for you? Is it stuck in Sunday school or is it real in the real time and space right now in the midst of COVID? Is the Lazarus story true? Is the resurrection of Jesus true? Is Jesus the resurrection and the life? Do you believe this? If you're here this morning and you've been in Sunday school and you've been in church and you profess faith and you've joined the church and you've been in church your whole life and you said, I do believe this, the glory of God is bigger than your confession and in your faith. Be encouraged. The glory of God is bigger than your confession. And it's bigger than your faith, and hasn't COVID tried all of us in those things? Be encouraged this morning. Your Christianity is not about your confession, it matters. Your Christianity is not about the size of your faith. Faith matters. Your Christianity is about your Jesus, and that dude's the real deal. He is the resurrection and the life, and put your faith and your hope in that Jesus, in that gospel. And in that good news. Uh, I asked Paul, uh, asked for closing songs and what I thought about music. And um, I asked if you guys would do On Jordan's Stormy Banks. And I love this song. But that second uh, verse to sing it always gets me. No chilling winds nor poisonous breath can reach that healthful shore. Sickness, sorrow, pain, and death are felt and feared no more. There is a reality coming when Jesus will come back, that he will come and he will bring his glory with him. And that is going to be a good day for those who have their faith in him. He is coming and he is the last enemy to be destroyed, is death. And he will not just come snorting like a horse, he will come riding one. And there will be a sword coming out of his mouth. Dads, if you've never read that with your boys from Revelation that's a sweet father-son passage. He will come and there will be a sword, sword coming out of his mouth and he's going to take it down. He's going to slay that dragon and the glory of God's going to show. And he's going to look at the people of God whom he loves. The Revelation tells us he's going to put us on his lap. He's going to wipe away the tears from our eyes. And he's going to say, child of God, oh, how I love you. I'm the resurrection and the life is what Jesus says to us. Do you believe this? Believe this. And believe in this, Jesus. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that you're the resurrection and the life. And that you didn't just talk, but you did things. That you raised Lazarus from the dead. And I can't honestly in my mind comprehend that. Of a mummy walking out and being unwrapped. But Jesus, you are the resurrection and the life and you give us great hope in that. Help us today to look to you in your glory that you give us a glimpse of in John 11. To see the glory that is going to blow our minds one day, someday. Jesus, we long for that day. We long for death to be dealt with. Just even coming face to face with death over a a dog dying sent me weeping into a parking lot. And it's just confusing. But you will deal with death, Jesus, when you come back. Father, for those who don't um, believe that this morning, I pray you would show them yourself, you would reveal your glory to them through this passage and personally in their lives, that you are the resurrection and the life. Father, for those of us here who have confessed this and believed this and heard John 11 and believed it again, would you encourage us that you are way bigger than our confession, that you are way bigger than our faith, that you are the resurrection and the life, That we can put our faith and our hope and our trust in that. That when you come back, you will bring your glory and it will blow our minds. You will wipe away the tears from our eyes because, oh, how you love us. Pray that these things, Jesus, in your name and for your kingdom's sake. Amen.